Looking to take your career or business to the next level? The CLIMB Center for Advancement offers fast, specialized training to help with professional, team, business, or personal goals. Backed by the experience and size of PCC. Learn more at pcc.edu slash CLIMB. Young entrepreneurs often steal the spotlight, but they are not the only ones launching businesses. A large swath of people, 50-plus, are deciding they're not ready to quit working. That's right, Rebecca. In fact, they are the largest demographic launching startups, according to a 2014 Kaufman Index report. It's a national trend of older adults turning away from leisure and age segregation and getting back to work. Welcome to Biz 503. I'm Rebecca Webb, founder of Portland Radio Project, and I am joined by our newest co-host today, Suzanne Stevens. We are so happy to have the editor, yes, applause, please, of the Portland Business Journal. I love radio and I love what you guys are doing here, so thank you so much for inviting me. So today's topic is redefining retirement, and we'll be leading a discussion on the reasons, challenges, rewards, and resources for those pursuing Encore careers. Joining us now, two experts on the subject, Jackie Peterson, Strategic Advisor at the PCC Small Business Development Center, and Joyce Damanen, Director of Communications at AARP. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Why don't we start with you, Joyce, and maybe you could give us kind of a nutshell description of what happened to the old paradigm where we were given a party and a pension and, you know, sent out to pasture, (laughs) or or as Suzanne (laughs) prefers to think, travel the world. Right. You know, that's perfect how you describe that, because the world of work has changed so dramatically since you know, a lot of the boomers were kids. When exactly that happened, your parents had this wonderful future ahead of them. And one of the things that really shifted was the change in retirement benefits. And when that happened, it really created a whole new world of work. Plus, we've all, of course, been in this whole world of um, disruption of industries. And as people are disrupted out of an industry, they have to re-career, retrain, start over. And when you become older, there is a ageism in the workplace and some of it's subtle and some of it's real and it becomes very challenging to find work sometimes. So one of the pathways for older adults has been to start a business. Maybe no one would hire them but they have 30 years of knowledge, skills and ability that they can move forward and the reason they need to do that is because most people haven't saved for retirement today and we have a real retirement crisis in the United States and people are looking at living longer with less money and no guarantees. I think we'd all like to think that this kind of encore entrepreneur trend is driven by the fact that people are feeding their creative passion and they want to go out and volunteer. But I mean, often it is a financial necessity in today's world. It's a very different world when it comes to retirement savings. And and you talk about affordability. That's a huge issue here in Portland in particular. Absolutely. I think people are really worried about the future. And I, But it, it is a combination. I think that's one thing we know about older adults 
if you've met one older adult, you've met one older adult, as they say. Because people are not that, you know, there's a wide variety. Heterogeneity is the big term in gerontology. So some people want to retire at 65, and they do. Other people start over at 65, and they have wonderful careers. In fact, that whole Encore Fellow that has started with Civic Ventures, where they have the whole purpose prize for people who create a nonprofit of significance of people over 60 who do that. And we have actual Oregon winner. Neat. And we're going to actually be talking more about the resources and pathways for these folks. One of them, though, really is at PCC's Small Business Development Center. So tell us what's there, Jackie, 50 plus people who are pursuing professions. Well, you know, we've put together quite a program when we recognize, just like Joyce has been talking about, how many people there are who are interested in starting businesses. They began showing up at the Small Business Development Center talking about what can I do now. And they either want to finally do what they've always loved to do and haven't had a chance to do. They want to support their retirement or they want to just try something, you know, different and leave a legacy of some sort. And they're doing all kinds of programs. And we began to see this. And actually, we've put a focus on one person businesses, which we are combining with Encore Entrepreneurship. Just so you know, one person businesses really used to be looked down upon. You know, we everybody thought, oh, you have a home-based business. You're not really working. You don't really have a business. But it has grown to the point now where there's over 30 million self-employed solo businesses in the world. And it's the fastest growing business model. And if you combine that with seniors looking for something to do and how to support themselves, it becomes a dynamite solution for them because they know things. And we talk about uh, programs to help them monetize their expertise. So we've put in a whole series of programs, which we can talk about in resources, to help people identify what it is they really know how to sell and then how to put a business together around it. And we've done this enough that actually I've come to the point where I say, if you can imagine it, there's a customer out there for you. (laughs) So Jackie, you kind of laid out the different reasons that you're Mm -hmm. seeing folks come Mm -hmm. into the PCC Center for Advice on how to pursue this opportunity. But I know from years of writing about business, and I think we all know starting a business is really really hard. The vast majority of small businesses fail. And entrepreneurs go in with very grand expectations, but sometimes you've got to really scale those back and think about, okay, what is the business model to support this? So what would you say uh, is kind of the biggest mistake or misconception that these entrepreneurs come in with when you're first meeting with them? They say we've put our Encore Entrepreneur Program together pretty tightly with solopreneurship, and a solo business is not as scary to start as a traditional business. For one thing, what you're really doing is focusing on what you already know. And so the majority, the capital that is needed is your intellectual capital, which is what you've been doing for the last 30, 35 years. You've already got that to bring to the table. The second thing that scares people off is thinking they're going to have to hire employees. But you know, I haven't talked to anybody who loved managing employees and or being managed (laughs) as an employee. And so, you know, I've told people that when I say you can start a solo business and you don't have to manage employees, a look of total relief washes across the room, kind of like the wave. You know, you can just see it going through people's faces. But, you know, when you have a solo business, you are the business. And what you are doing is outsourcing all of the other help that you need, but you're outsourcing it by contracting with other business owners. When there's 30 million solopreneurs, you can find a business owner who's a virtual assistant, a social media expert, a marketing help, a webmaster, a photographer, a web developer, a 
you know, whatever it is that you need. And the thing is, what you do is you outsource to these people on a business-to-business basis, which is totally different than hiring an employee. The relationship is different. So again, we can overcome that fear. The fear that is out there is terror of marketing. It's really working with people to understand what marketing means. And to us, it means talking enthusiastically about what you love to do. And the internet has made everything possible. This was not possible before. Sometimes hard to get heard over that cacophony on the internet, however. Yes, it is. We we sometimes need uh, younger people here at Portland Radio Project to help us with that piece. But you know, you can hire that. You you talked about, you know, the wealth of experience that seniors bring to professional pursuits. And I just wonder, Joyce, if you would like Mm -hmm. to talk about maybe it's not just experience, but what else do 50 plus workers bring to the professional marketplace? Well, you know, I think one of the things people talk about the 50 plus is they have an amazing work ethic. And that's one of the things that we always hear from employers as well as anybody else is if you want someone to show up early, stay late, work hard, that you can totally depend on who's going to be loyal to your business. It is going to be the 50 plus worker, partly because they are, you know, they know the game at this point. They know how valuable their job Mm -hmm. is. They know how to be a contributor. And I think one of the things we've learned about the 50 plus market in general is that people are resilient and they do want to continue learning. They do want to continue growing and they do want to continue making a difference in the world. And I think that's one of the big excitement about the solopreneur thing that Jackie Mm -hmm. has been. She's my heroine in the whole topic (laughs) because nationally, I think she's doing such fascinating work. There's such a beehive of activity here, partly because people like Jackie. And then at the national level, AARP has had a, a memo of understanding with the Small Business Administration that we've had a national rollout of this idea of the Encore Entrepreneur to do work together for the past four years across the United States. And it's been so enthusiastically received because people are so hungry for information. And I think the other thing is that some of these small business owners have been struggling alone for a while. And then to realize that the real incentive and creativity in this whole small business development area is really the 50 plus is news to everyone. It's really it's really interesting. It's a really interesting time. Yeah, it definitely was to us. And talk about the resources that 50 plus people potentially bring with them, not just in experience and work ethic, but financial resources that maybe people in their 20s are not able to bring. And wisdom and judgment and balance <laughs> and so um, ability to not react, but rather rather to think ahead and act more in the long range rather than, you know, that quick, quick reaction to things, you know, where the world speeds up and gets noisy. And so you feel like you have to answer every email, you have to answer every call, whereas maybe if you back off a little bit, you can get the longer view. And I think that older people definitely bring that. I think the other piece of that that you're talking about, though, is just the money piece. Let's say you're 55, you've worked for 30 years, you probably, if you're starting a business, you've hopefully had great credit. You hopefully have money. You hopefully have a 401k or other retirement savings. Hopefully you by that time in life, you do have a lot of assets. You have financial assets. You are better off in some ways. Hopefully you have a home. You're not paying off student loans. You're not buying a car. You're not buying a home. You can focus on your business.
business. You know, the other thing that is out there that people forget, because I've been coaching businesses for 40 years, and we've begged the traditional lending sources to help seed money for small business, and this has not happened. But what has happened is we now have crowdfunding. And what that means is that lots of entrepreneurs who say maybe need $25,000 of seed money, there used to be no place to get that. Well, now there's lots of places to get that. So I've got lots of clients that are going after, you know, Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaigns. I, I know we're getting close to the end of the segment, but I, I wanted to ask too, and one more of kind of what these 50 plus, you know, age entrepreneurs will bring to the workplace is the ideas because you yes. are, baby boomers are a huge potential market. And so you have a lot of, you know, millennials who are creating apps and things that relate to their lives, but boomers, there's a whole huge marketplace out there. So the ideas that these solopreneurs bring, I would imagine line up nicely. You know, what I've always liked, Suzanne, is that the baby boomers say, we've changed everything we've ever touched in our life, and now we're going to change retirement. The we're other thing it. I would love to point out is that AARP with Oxford Economics, I think it was 2013, published a report called The Longevity Economy. And it's really dealing with what you're talking about. People don't realize the 50 plus market is the third largest market in the world. And that is going to change as people get older. There'll be more and more need for product services as people get older. So who better to create the kind of world you want for your mom or for somebody else in your family than to figure out how to do some of these things that will help people stay healthy and in their own home as they age. Many, many thousands of people are turning 60 and 70 every week, <laughs> every 10, day. 10,000 a day turn 65. There you go. I knew you'd have that stat. And it'll only continue for another 12 years. <laughs> so can we talk about boomers and millennials working together? That's something that we are focusing on here at Portland Radio Project is we have some radio professionals who are trying to inculcate the next generation of uh, radio people with our community values. And I'm just wondering if you find that those partnerships are fruitful or if there are some issues. You know, I think that is so ideal because what I understand from millennials, and there's obviously they're a diverse group too, they love mentorship and they love partnership. They love being uh, coached. Um, I think boomers have a harder time with being coached than millennials do. So it's the it's the perfect storm in some ways is having people who are really knowledgeable, helping bring people up into the world. And then I think also we see a lot of times that millennials have skills that boomers need. Maybe some of these technology things you're talking about. I was, I was thinking of that exactly as you were talking, Joyce, because what you do is when you're faced with technology issues and, you know, getting seen on the web and getting found on the web and getting your website up and running and building a web-based business, which so many of these are, who do you go find? You go find those young workers, you know, who are very excited to do it and kind of get excited about your idea, but they just zip right through the technology, whereas the rest of us would be going, oh my goodness, I have no idea what to do. They are a quick study. Oh, they're we wonderful. <laughs> found here at PRP. <clears throat> well, working past traditional retirement age isn't always easy. We're going to hear about the challenges of staying in or returning to the business world when we come back. Looking to take your career or business to the next level? The CLIMB Center for Advancement offers fast, specialized training to help with professional, team, business, or personal goals. Backed by the experience and size of PCC. Learn more at pcc.edu slash CLIMB.
Welcome back to Biz 503 on PRP. I'm Suzanne Stevens, editor of the Portland Business Journal, co-hosting today with Rebecca Webb, founder of Portland Radio Project. We heard a moment ago from Jackie Peterson of PCC's Climb Center about the surge in people 50-plus who are choosing to launch new professional projects and we're going to meet some of them now. Yeah, joining us in the studio are four people who started uh, new pursuits after long careers. We have Pam Birkeland. She's a designer at Recherche. Sunit Riki, founder of Reach for Infinity, LLC. Faye Putnam, founder of Breath is in the Air. And Fred Williams, who is the owner of Reflections by FW. So Pam, I'm going to start with you the first question. First of all, tell us about your business. And I'd also love to hear what you're doing before you started your business. Thank you. Before I started my business, uh, well, in parallel with my the end of my career, I was a logistics manager out at IBM in Beaverton. I guess it was when I was 60, I gave myself permission to actually start a creative endeavor while I was still working. So it was sort of my sideline. And then in 2005, a friend of mine who was a quilter had brought some obis from Japan. And apparently whatever project she was working on, she aborted and she gave me this bag and said, take these out of the house. Maybe you can figure out what to do with them. And I took them home and I threw them in the corner of the dining room for like nine months. And then I finally thought, I've got to do something. So I dumped them out on the dining room table, started folding them, and the first bag was born. So these are designer handbags. Yes, they're one of a kind. They're all made by hand one at a time. They're limited edition because once an OB's used up, chances of me ever finding another one like it are practically zero. Tell us, you know, what is an OB? What do these look like? Okay, an OB is the sash that the geisha wears. Usually you see the big pillow in the back. They're about 14 feet long give or take. And there are numerous types. There's the the very traditional, very venerable maru obi, which is full pattern both sides. Very thick, very heavy. And then there are two other newer types. One is full pattern on one side, partial on the other. And so, and then another one is partly wide and partly narrow. That's the nagoya. And so these are the three principal ones that I import and take apart and then use to create these bags. And then all the buttons are vintage buttons. So I love check glass, Mm. especially vintage check glass, but I also love brass, silver, even celluloid, casein. So that's a whole separate category. And tell us how the name of your business is pronounced. Recherche. Recherche. And that means? It means precious, rare, of exquisite quality. That's one of the French meanings. Another French meaning is to search for or chose that one. And how are you marketing them? I have a website, and also I have been selling these at Changes, Designs to Wear at the Real Mother Goose for 10 years, and I do between two and six shows a year. Trunk shows, essentially? No, big shows like Best of the Northwest in Seattle, or there's a bead and design show in Pasadena, and she does one in the Nor- in the Bay Area, and she does one in Tucson, and, and then I do local shows like Art Splash in Tualatin, and Celebration of Creativity at the Southminster Presbyterian Church next weekend. Are you a solopreneur or do you have employees? No, I'm a solopreneur. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But because of Jackie, I did outsource some hand sewing to a lady this last year, which I never would have even tried. And did your background, your years of logistics experience help you with the kind of importing now and working with to source your 
your material? It helped. Yes, it did. And also, all of the business experience allowed me to set up a lot of my own infrastructure. But then taking the classes just brought that to a different level. Cool. Okay, let's uh, shift over to Sunit now. And you're the founder of Reach for Infinity, LLC. Tell us about your journey, Sunit. How did you get started? Yeah, so last year, I ended my career as vice president and general manager of a business unit in Intel. And that was a very long career, 31 years. And I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to participate, in fact, dance in the revolution that we created called the digital revolution. And throughout my career, I had progressive, increasing opportunities to contribute to society, have fun at it, build wealth, and uh, live a good life. In 2015, it changed. I realized that I was actually, what I was was defined by my job. I was Intel. In you know, when, when I spoke to people on podiums, I wasn't speaking. It was my job in Intel speaking. And at some point, I decided that while I have the health and the time, I want to be the chairman and CEO of me. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to be define. I want to define what I do based on my definition of me. So you know, I joked. Even though I endear and love Intel, I joked to somebody saying my mission now is to erase Intel from my middle name. <laughs> There's some things changed. You know, wealth creation and recognition were replaced by something else. Certain things didn't change. I w- I want to go for an ever never ending uh, limitless growth in my capability and and the contribution to society. And I want to grow my learning uh, limitlessly. And that's behind the concept of Reach for Infinity, which is essentially an umbrella that allows me to live a portfolio of life. And the portfolios are all connected to Reach for Infinity. And within that, I coach people. I coach management of small companies. I'm now involved in helping the hungry uh, start up a new company. And actually, I'm being drawn towards going and doing more than just helping. The main fear that I have is to keep one change alive, and that is from being a very highly concentrated portfolio in Intel, I want a variety. So, you know, I can I, when I play with my dog, it is a essential part of my portfolio of life. That's beautiful. You're essentially, I'm just trying to sum up so people have a really good understanding of what reach is. You're coaching individuals to kind of, to their own dream. A good boring way to say is I'm a management consulting company. Okay. So there are people... That is the boring way to say it, just FYI. The way you described it before was was. Yeah. There are people who I mentor, coach, I speak. I speak at companies. I speak at institutions. Mm-hmm. I speak at girls' colleges in India, for example. That's part of the service I provide. And I also do advisory roles and board governance roles. And, you know, one of the advisory roles, for example, turned into a, a startup company that I'm a part of. So how it has your journey been? as far as leaving Intel and starting up Reach. Have you been happy with leaving Intel behind? There hasn't ever been a, any buyer's remorse? No, no buyer's remorse. There were certain fears that didn't come to fruition, thankfully. One fear was, how am I going to coexist with my wife? And that, <laughs> that's been worked out. <laughs> Everybody uh, who retires has that, <laughs> that question, and, right? 
Yes, and and you know there are certain other fears. There's one fear that will never leave me, and that is, am I going to rationalize uh, my lack of productivity? Because one thing about good about being accountable to yourself, you're the chairman, you're the CEO of yourself, and one one good thing is that you decide, you judge, you decide, and you judge. But then, who are you accountable to? Yourself. And I sometimes have a low period in when when I ask myself in an intellectually honest way, am I giving it my all? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> right, you're you're it. your own you know yeah. critic and your own your own judge. But it sounds like Reach has been a really uh, a marriage of your decades of experience at Intel and your personal passion that has maybe come to you and become more clear as you've gotten older. Right, and as I examine the shoebox of key notes. And memories I I filled during my 31 years, and all kinds of nuggets come out, and I share it in my blogs, and I have a following, and mm-hmm. I love it. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Faye Putnam is the founder of Breath is the Answer. What's that, Faye? Okay, Breath is the Answer to Life, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> there is that. I'm calling myself a communication specialist. That is, I help professionals find and use their authentic voice. So my ideal client would be a person who is in business and has to communicate to their team or do project presentations and feels that they're not really doing what they want to do, that they're not performing or they've gotten a vow that says you're not really performing as as you should. So I that's the kind of person I like to work with. My background is as a professional singer and a singing voice teacher. So I use that as my jumping off, I guess. And I guess the retirement comes in. I'm trying to think how that is because, you know, singing teachers and performers, performers and don't really, well, singing teachers especially or piano teachers, you know, they don't retire. They just don't retire. But there comes a time when the singing is not working as well as it might, or you just get tired of practicing every day. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with the idea to channel the experience that you had gained in your professional career in into another career? You know, how did you decide to kind of take that and come up? Because this is a really kind of unique business. Yeah, well, breath is the answer comes from, I used to always say to my voice students, they would do something and I, it would always be, breath is the answer. <laughs> so that came to me when I was working with Jackie to to kind of bring things together in a more cohesive way. In singing, it was the production of the voice that intrigued me and still does intrigue me and the communication and watching singers or listening to singers or performers. There are a lot of really wonderful performers, but there are not a lot of wonderful communicators. And to me, that was always the most important thing is finding a poem, finding a theme that I really wanted to communicate through music. I think you're really talking about coaching to two kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know, actual speech and yes, projection coaching, mm-hmm. but also I, I'm intrigued by the idea of coaching people to bring out that authenticity. Is that something that came with experience? Well, actually, I work with a, I won't say a method, it's called the Alexander Technique, which the boring way to talk about it is psychophysical re-education. So I work with people to help them kinesthetically understand how they are reacting to incoming stimuli, whether it be mentally or emotionally 
emotionally or physically, all those ways. So while we're working in that manner, we do a lot of self-reflection and find out what our authentic self really wants to say. And I guess what I'm getting at is, is that something that you appreciated and recognized in your 20s or your 30s? Or was that something that began to resonate with you more over time? I would say probably over time because I trained with this to become a better voice teacher. I had no idea what I was getting into. So that happened, you know, that happened probably 30 years ago. So my, my... Coming in touch with what my voice was started probably then, but it's a continuing process, you know. This it's it's a touchy thing to become aware of who you are, and some people <laughs> don't like to do that, you know. It but. can be uncomfortable. <laughs> Should we bring Fred in? Yes, Fred let's bring Williams. Fred in. Fred, so, yeah. yeah. So Fred, you uh, were an encore fellow with Social Venture Partners, and we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. Okay. But you also are the owner of Reflections by FW. That would be Fred Williams. And uh, what what are those reflections? What's that about? The reflections are people will send me pictures, digital pictures, or pictures that we take, and I will take a piece of them, which is generally a segment or a triangle, but it can be anything from uh, any type of polygon, and I'll turn them into mandalas. And those are, you take one segment and you flip it and turn it and angle it and, and stuff like that. And they're very calming, pleasing pictures. They really are beautiful. I know, I'm assuming you put some photos of the calendar up. We should do that. Yeah, because okay. Fred brought a, a example and they it doesn't do it, ju- it's hard to describe without seeing them, but they are totally. beautiful kind of circular medallion photos that are um, very artistic, kind of remind me of a kaleidoscope a little bit. Actually, it is the kaleidoscope kaleidoscope theory where you take a single segment and and regenerate it but being interested in geometry one of the things that I discovered was I could get away from the triangle and start using things like a hexagon and then just using the material that's within that hexagon I was able to generate spirals which is very unique and then also by moving further and further down the path it they actually turn into some fractals one of the things when we were talking uh, before the show started Fred that I thought was really interesting as you show me the calendar, they're so beautiful and, and really unique. But you said you never considered yourself an artist necessarily. And so to kind of reinvent yourself as an artist, um, you know, how, how did that come about and how exciting was it to tap into that part of yourself that maybe you didn't know existed? Well, I still don't consider myself an artist. <laughs> In fact, that's an alien word to me. What happened was that I was actually, I periodically will go through something that I want to study and revisit. And about five years ago, it was geometry, and I was just relearning my geometry. And somebody sent me a picture, and I duplicated it because I thought it looked really neat. And I won't go, wow, I could turn that into a frame. I could do this. I could do that. But it was everything was on the outside. It was I didn't expect what I what I saw, and that started the whole thing. And then using the geometry, then I go, well, let's see how many segments do I need to go into a 360 degree circle. Well, I can figure that out. Um, And everything surprises me. People say, well, how do you know what it's going to be like? I said, I have no idea. 
I get to have more fun than, than anybody. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing with the pictures are that when we show these at the various shows, the we've just been doing with Christmas bazaars because I'd been working. But to get the kids involved, they see thousands of things in these pictures that, oh, look at that. There's a monkey. There's a goose. There's this. There's that. There's a candle, you know, and just on and on and on. Then you give it to the parent. Parents go, well, what about this? And so people see different things. And every day that I look at them, I see something different. So That's so cool. Remind yeah. us of what your career path was prior to uh, the mandalas that you're it was very meandering in that I started out in, I call it the business of medicine. I, I started out in nuclear medicine, and then after my master's degree, I ended up in hospital administration in a big hospital about the size of St. V's here in Portland. And then I had the opportunity to start branching off into private enterprise with other people, And but it was all dealing with medicine, recycling silver off of x-rays, doing research on other, other types of systems and drugs, developing thing. So it was basically the business of medicine. And then from there, it's branched out into the private sector. So on this continuum that we sometimes think about from science to art, you've gone from the science end to the art end. I think there's still as much science in what I'm doing now. I'm just now starting to learn how really to do the spirals and what it takes to do a spiral. It's basically given that you only have a limited amount of data to, to work with. So I don't know. I, it's, it's just a fun gamish. But more than crafting. This is this is much more than crafting. <laughs> it's, it's different. <laughs> one of the interesting things, I'm not really sure what the question is here, but one of the things that's really struck me is as you've each told your stories is that you know, Pam and Fred, you're, you're both creating a product. You know, you're, you're both artists, whether you think you are or not, Fred, are creating a product and um, something beautiful that you're taking out. And Faye and Sunit are really, you're kind of using your wisdom that you have gained through years of working to kind of then put that out in the world. And I don't know, I just think it's exciting and it's, it's great to see that there are these different pathways that are there. And we've really all been very positive about the journey so far, but have there been obstacles? Who wants to take that one? What have been your biggest obstacles in com these coming to fruition? Yeah, Faye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll, we get I'll, down to it. Well, I'll, I'll speak to it from an artist's point of view, and that is musicians and artists and people who are caregivers or people who are sol solo entrepreneurs in those fields particularly do not think in a business manner. And I think working with Jackie, and it's only been three years for me, so Breath is the Answer is only officially three years old, but this whole idea of thinking in a business way, which can be learned, but first you have to realize that you have to do it. It's very challenging, and we have a lot of that going around here at Portland Radio Project because we're a bunch of right brain creative people and the, the business end is very challenging for our team as well. I think one of the things for me is the in this transition was that I was doing it for fun and we'll be talking about the encore thing in a little bit but after that was over and just prior to that my wife and I decided we would try and get some traction with this little company and turn it into a business instead of a plaything. and so that's how this happened and that's where we are now so Pam I'm curious from um, you know your background at, at IBM and soon it I'm uh, kind of the same question to you is you know based on what Faye said about not 
kind of having the business fundamentals there. What would you say was the biggest challenge for you coming out of a very corporate environment and then kind of being on your own? I mean, was it the marketing piece of it? Was it the the sourcing piece of it? Was it the setting up the website? What would you say was the biggest challenge? It is the marketing piece <laughs> to this is. day. Mm-hmm. Yes, marketing and sales. That's the biggest challenge. Also, I have run up against sourcing issues just because what I'm looking for now that I've been doing it for 10 years, I'm pretty specific about what I want as far as the age of it, how it feels, the colors of it, and the texture. And, of course, as time goes on, Obies are getting sold. And so now there are fewer of what I like. And when there is, they're really expensive. So trying to figure out how to manage that and how to use more of what I do have in Obie Fabric now is my challenge. And it's a constant challenge. So I just to, just because I bet there's a there will be a lot of listeners who are th- who will face the sales and marketing piece oh, of that yeah. because that is so broad and it a, a lot of people are affected by that. What's been the best strategy for you? What what's what's the best thing you've done to kind of get your product out there? Well, I created a website. That was the first. Did thing. you create it or did you I hire had, someone? Uh, luckily, to I had someone to to do it for me who really did a beautiful job, such a beautiful job that I'm still using it after ten years. I also write a newsletter twice a year and I write it myself. I produce it myself. I take all the photos myself because I really enjoy it and it's my way to connect. And then I do mailings for events and now I'm getting into the social media end. I'm on this uh, business to business platform called Upler. It's a French international platform and now I'm on that and I'm on a fashion accessories and design network now which I never was before I set up my own Facebook page and I'm not very happy with it but but at least I've got it up there and I'm going to start I'm going to learn how to use it how to make it really you know, effective. Excellent. And we will provide links uh, to all of those from our article that's uh, at Portland Radio Project website. Thank you. For that, just before we close it up, Sunit, do you want to say anything about your obstacles that you face? You sound like you're pretty hard on yourself. Yeah, no, and I think, uh, I think my, I have had so many decades of having so many resources of a caring mother intel that when I left her, I, I didn't have an admin, for example, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm discovering the challenge and the pros and cons of being a bottleneck and at the same time just being by yourself, being accountable to nobody because even my admin would hold me accountable for certain things that I no longer want to be held accountable for. <laughs> so th- those transitions, but luckily, you know, in, in this encore class that I met Jackie in, there was, you know, she insists about how solos should just basically let other solos do the stuff that is not central to you. So, you know, I went that way to create a website. I hired somebody to actually make me a brand, you know, make the infinity in my reach of reach for infinity and all of that stuff. And now when I write a blog, I send it to somebody who posts it and stuff. So I've created my own virtual administration and and I'm not in a hurry to market myself because right now where my business is coming from, where I like it, is where the edge of my 
current network that's expanding and meeting new people. So, for example, everybody sitting in the, on, the, on this table is new. And so you welcome to my network. <laughs> Thank Glad you for to having be here. Us. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, this has been a wonderful segment and, and great advice. So thank you, Pam, Faye, Fred, and Sunit. You guys really are an inspiration, and I know people are really going to appreciate you sharing your story. So we'll take a look at some of the resources that are available, talk a little more deeply about that, and get some advice for those of you considering redefining your retirement, like our guests here. Uh, we'll be back with that after a short break. Looking to take your career or business to the next level? The CLIMB Center for Advancement offers fast, specialized training to help with professional, team, business, or personal goals. Backed by the experience and size of PCC. Learn more at pcc.edu slash CLIMB. Welcome back. We've heard from some inspirational stories today on Biz 503 from people who've elected not to really retire, but rather to find purpose and productivity in their post-50 years. I'm Rebecca Webb here with Suzanne Stevens, editor of the Portland Business Journal. Thousands of baby boomers are surging into their 60s and 70s every day, and there's plenty for them to do. And our panelists today have advice and resources for folks in their later years who want to launch into new projects. Returning to the studio now, we have Jackie Peter. Peterson back with us. She's the strategic advisor at PCC's Small Business Development Center, which we're going to call SBDC from here on out. And Joyce DeMonin, director of communications at AARP. Fred Williams is sticking around because, as we mentioned, he not only has his own personal project where he makes those amazing geometric mandalas, but also he was an Encore Fellow with Social Venture Partners Portland. So welcome back to all three of you. Thank you. you. And thanks very much for being back. Joyce, let me just start with you because we've heard, you know, that some of the obstacles were things like sales and marketing, particularly that resonated with our folks in our last segment. Uh, what kind of resources are out there? You know, just speaking from the, the, the AARP, what is what does AARP offer? Well, we have a wealth of information on our website. So since we don't really have a program like regular services on the ground, like SBDC does in every community college in Oregon, we do have so many resources on the web. Website. And we also offer webinars. We offer teletown halls from time to time. So I'd really encourage people to go onto aarp.org and look for Encore Entrepreneur because nearly everything you need to get started will be on that website. And we have a link from our site to yours so that it's easy for people to pursue it. So Jackie, t- talk to us a little bit about the SBDC and the courses that you're you're teaching. What can people learn from you? Oh, they can learn quite a bit. As I said, we, we put together an entire Encore program starting with a, a, a study group, which is quite unusual. We have a three three session, three hours each session, so a total of nine hours to help people answer the question, what should I do? What should my business concept be? And we help people take a look at their whole life and the thread of their career, as I call it, their volunteer activities, and really identify what they are good at, what they love, and what would make a good business and something that they can monetize. We follow that up. We have a program we are calling 
solo business builders. It's 10 sessions, three hours a session, and we cover everything from starting your business to some legal issues, doing your books, getting financing, but five of the 10 sessions are involving marketing because that is what people are afraid of. And we talk about being very clear about exactly who you are and who you're marketing to, and we talk about getting your business on the web, and we talk about branding, and we talk about using a lot of the web-based tools such as blogs, newsletters, teleseminars, you know, all of these new e-products that are out there. And all of our programs at the SBDC come attached to free one-on-one advising. So you work with a business advisor who gets to know you very well and has your interest at heart and really is acts as a, a coach, a nag, a supporter, um, you know, fills all kinds of roles. And actually, that really never goes away. You know, you get your business launched and say, okay, can I come back to the SBDC? And I say, sure. You know, and I have people that I've seen periodically for a very long time and am always there to work with them on their business. So it's a tremendous resource for people. So Jackie, I'm curious, how many folks kind of self-fund, kind of bootstrap their operations versus go out and get some kind of a micro loan or an SBA loan or? You know, actually, I have that statistic for my group. You know, I've had since we've started our solo program, I've had 66 people go through it which is very exciting. I'm filling my next cohort right now, commercial. It, uh, of those 66, 48 of them have actually started businesses, and three of those have gone and done uh, crowdfunding. Most of these businesses are not the type of businesses that are going to get funding from a traditional source. So they're, they're bootstrapping, they're using bootstrapping their own... and using their own resources or crowdfunding. And how many come in with an idea, or are you actually working with a lot of people who come in, they just know they want to do something, something, you mm-hmm. mentioned you kind of can help people kind of right, shape that. Right. So what percentage of people come out, in and say, this is what I want to do? Out of 66, I think a third of them have gone through our business concept development program. I think one of the things that happens is that when people have worked for a big organization for 30 to 35 years, they tend to think they only know things that are worthwhile to the big organization. I mean, isn't that a terrible statement about mm-hmm. corporate America? But that is true. And people leave and they think, well, I don't know anything that isn't, you know, is worth something other than, you know, the ABC company where I've spent my career. So we spent a lot of time thinking about, well, you know, if you did this, what about that? Okay. And having people look at their entire life experiences and understand the value of it. You know, work is work. No, and a lot of the work people do is volunteer work or, you know, school type work, you know, in their community or community type service as well as what they got paid to do and stuff they've loved to do, things that are hobbies. So we pull all of that together. That is such a great resource. And it just makes me think that there are people who've come in, really had no idea what they mm-hmm. could potentially do, but you've helped them find a sense of purpose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How? What role does that piece, you know, understanding that you have a a sense of purpose. Huge, play. huge. You know, I think for every single one of us, you know, we talked about changing retirement, you know, it's the name of our show, uh, changing retirement. I think that one of the huge changes that entrepreneurship brings is that so many older people have been marginalized, okay? And I keep saying the age of 65 and frailty kind of used to be the same thing. And now between the age of 65 and uh, becoming frail, where you're no longer going to be able to go out there and work, there's a 15, 20, 25, 30 year gap 
you know, between that with what people are doing. And what this has done is reawakened people's sense, I am valuable, I'm addition to the community, I have something to offer, I have something to bring. You don't have to stick me in the back bedroom and, you know, like a crazy aunt in the attic. You know, I really have something to offer. And I think this is just a tremendous thing that we're bringing. That's great. Yeah, Jackie. Yeah, I'd just like to point out, this is a really, I think, valuable point that Jackie is making, is that older we do have a lot of older people in our community, and in just in a few years, 20% of people in Portland are going to be 65 plus. We have a lot of older people. They're living longer. They're, they're you know, more productive. And yet our society really hasn't kept up with how do we include and be inclusive for people of all ages. So a lot of groups in Oregon, and Portland especially have created this initiative called Age Friendly Portland and it is actually under in Portland the city of Portland has adopted an age friendly Portland plan and it has a psychosocial domain and then it has things like housing economic development employment those kinds of areas and we see really dramatically people older people who feel no one notices them no one sees them in fact in that Frankie and Johnny Netflix series um, did, there was that one where the two women go shopping and no one's paying attention to them and they end up shoplifting some cigarettes. <laughs> there's um, always that advantage, you know. <laughs> if no one's so, going to pay attention. And, and yeah, and so they walked out and go, well, we now have superpowers because people don't see us anymore. <laughs> but there, it's a joke, but it's also a serious issue that we are now dealing with that we do need to face the reality that boomers are not a pig in the python. We have a different paradigm that will be here forever and how do we create a community for all ages for people who want to work, for people who want to start a business, for people who want to volunteer. Such a great point. I I have to say that people say to me, aren't you ever going to retire? (laughs) And I say, why should I? I'm doing what I love, you know, and instead of getting marginalized, people fight to get, you know, slots on my calendar, and I'm getting paid. They take my advice, they love to get my advice, and I'm getting, I'm being paid. Now, what's wrong with that picture? What's not to like, right? (laughs) So, because we said this was uh, the segment where we were going to offer resources, I really want to have a chance to get to Fred, because tell us what an, an encore fellow is at Social Venture Partners. An Encore Fellowship is a year-long or a thousand-hour position, and they place you into a nonprofit. So it's all all from a nonprofit point of view. And my understanding on the history of it, it was it was actually started by Intel as they wanted to have their have some way of taking their senior managers that were going to be retiring, be able to give them. a a nice transition and at the same time bring in the managers underneath them and be able to train them. So what they did is they they told the senior managers, go find a position in a nonprofit and we will fund it for a year. And so that's how this all started. And that way they would work for half time on the fellowship and then they would also then have half time at Intel. And that went for a year and then that transition was over. I did my my fellowship at uh, De La Salle North Catholic high school here in Portland, nonprofit. I can honestly say it was probably the best thing I've ever done. It just, it's so fulfilling to, you make a transition. You literally make that transition by doing this. And talk about what was fulfilling about it. As has been discussed in this session already, in this segment, one of the things that I learned more about myself, I didn't know how much I knew when I was able to put it down and translate it 
into something that I had never done before. And for the people that had no way of knowing, they, they couldn't do it. And so it was just very beneficial. And then it was also a nonprofit uh, situation, which is also very gratifying. Well, this has been wonderful, and I know that it's a nice way to kind of end the segment with the resources and people can contact um, each of you, I'm sure. So I want to thank our guest, Jackie Peterson, Strategic Advisor at the PCC Small Business Development Center, Joyce Dumanin, uh, Director of Communications at AARP, and Fred Williams, who is an Encore Fellow with Social Venture Partners. 